Why was the neckwear salesman late to the party? I don't know. Why? He was all tied up. Itch manners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. That was a good joke. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying it was a great joke. It's not, in the grand scheme of things, it is not not a groaner. It is. But if you're looking at just the simple construction and the payoff, the neckwear salesman was all tied up. That, that to me, is funny. It, you know what? And you know what? I'm just a professional comic person. <laughs> what do I know? Just because you get paid for it doesn't make you a professional. That is that is actually the exact definition. That is exactly what that means. <laughs> I'm a professional comedy person who makes comedy professionally, and I'm saying the neckwear salesman was all tied up Right, is a good joke. Mm-hmm. Hashtag good joke. <laughs> Hashtag dad joke. No, I said good joke, not dad joke, <laughs> though it is a dad joke because I... Technically a dad made up. <laughs> Hello, this is Schmanners. You probably figured that out already. I think we've said it a few times. Um, this So we have a, kind of an unofficial series. Maybe it's official at this point. That's kind of an accessories series. Because Indeed. what you come to learn, we, I think we did an episode on like fans. Uh, gloves. Gloves, yeah. Stuff, stuff like that. And what you come to learn is there's a lot of procedure. Procedural etiquette. Right. When it comes to these, right? And listen, ties are no exception. And right now we're talking about all kinds of neckwear. Tie, neckties, bow ties. Bolo ties. Bolo ties. Um, ascots, uh, cravats. Indeed. Um, well, I'll even get into ruffs and uh, and starched collars. Oh, and boy. Bow brummel and all that business. Oh, bow brummel. Ugh, bow brummel. <laughs> I remember when we did the episode about Bro Bo Brummel, you were very excited, and now you uh. yes. Can I tell you why? Why? We well, so when we did the first episode about him, it was like, oh, he was you know a dandy, and he was uh, at the forefront of of men's fashion at the time, which cool. But then we later talked about Bo Brummel being the reason that like basically men started dressing more plain. Uh, by which I mean, Bo Rummel was all about like simple color, like you know, blacks and grays and brown colors, um, and and like no flashy accessories. And it was about like clean lines, and he's he turned out to be more minimalistic than you right. had hoped. Right. Yes, I thought he was going to be more, much more like the King of Dudes that we covered. Uh, a Vander, Ho- not Holyfield, that's a different <laughs> guy. A Vander Wall, the King of Dudes. Right, but instead, Bo Brummel was more like fashionable because he made fashion for dudes simpler and more boring. Okay. Ugh. So let's talk about Ugh, Bo Brummel. Let's talk more about like neckwear. Bo boring. What? Let's talk about neckwear. Okay. Let's and listen. This is another one of those episodes where we are probably going to, as we talk about the history of it, refer a lot to it as like men's fashion. But listen, neckwear, ties, bow ties, bolo ties, cravats, ascots, ruffs, anybody could wear this. And it's not a new thing. Um, 
The idea of, quote, men's wear being worn by women has has happened throughout history. Um, it's mostly just because everybody was like, oh, well, that's just that's just so and so. That's what they wear. Yeah. This and is a reminder. I was thinking about this last night in preparation. What's that new movie? That movie with the lady and the family that has that wears menswear. Uh, Mr. Norrington or something like that? Is that the one you're talking about? With, I think Glenn Close is in it, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember. Hey, please tweet at Shrana's cast <laughs> and let us know from the, from the clue. The... She's a writer. Uh-huh. A writer. She and she likes. Oh, to Gentleman write. Jack. Yeah. I can't believe I got there. I can't believe you did either. You're okay. amazing. Thank you. I just know your brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, so I was actually thinking about this last night, right? Like, I think neckwear falls into the category of we think of it as a quote masculine thing now because of advertising that basically started either in the late 1800s or the early 1900s of like, all right, listen, we got to start selling stuff to dudes. And selling stuff to ladies, so we need to separate them so we have a wet, like, that's what it is. It's all advertisement and not a pre-prescribed thing. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. Okay, so here is a brief history. Probably the necktie originated as a military garment. Um, so when the terracotta warriors were uncovered in 1974 in Xi'an, China... It was discovered that each and every statue wore a wrapped neck cloth. Um, so it was kind of ascot-like. Okay. Um, and, you know, these statues were created in 210 BCE. So, like, it it's the earliest known example of the modern necktie. Of some kind of formalized, right. uniformly done neckwear because mm-hmm. neck- i'm sure there were like scarves and sure. wraps and stuff before them but this i seems- mean to keep warm obviously yes. and i mean like when we talked about gloves we talked about the uses of gloves to keep one's hands from getting the outside onto them right uh whether it's cold or dirt or whatever um well, well put by the way gloves keep the outside right. from getting on your hands i like that <laughs> Um, and so we've been doing a lot of practice lately where BB will ask questions about why, you know, oh, she's yeah. three, why, 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 and you get really good at like, okay, <laughs> you want a concrete answer? All right. You put gloves <laughs> on your hands to keep the outside from getting on them. <laughs> Argue with that child. Uh, so then the next example of a, of a depiction of a necktie, uh, was in Rome. Emperor Trajan was depicted, um, in a column in Rome and it paid homage to his military genius. And several soldiers, along with the column, are depicted wearing various kinds of neckwear. So it didn't seem to be as much a uh, military issue, but it did seem to denote rank. Because both of these sculptures with the neckwear on them, there is no record of lay people, people not with military career, wearing neckwear well like this this. tracks a lot right because there's a lot of things like this some that we've discussed uh where because there were these societies where the military was so front and center as far as culture was concerned it wasn't just something that like was off in the distance right you you saw the military every day Mm -hmm. that military often influenced culture 
where it's like I, we talked about that with like facial hair, right? Exactly. Of like mustaches and beards being a thing that like started because military, like there were soldiers coming home wearing mustaches and beards, and people thought like, "What a cool look!" Right? Sure. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a lot of things are influenced by the military out of necessity. Uh, and a lot of that stuff. Watches was one, right? Yep. Where you had to get it Went through on with your watches wrist. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so then the the next depiction goes all the way up to the 1630s and the Thirty Years' War, um, where Croatia presented soldiers to uh, Louis the... Six... Oh, no. How many? Okay. What letters X, are there? X, uh-huh. three. Thirteen. Thirteenth. To showcase their support. Thank you for that. I can't. Man, it's Ugh. I've got so very few skills. And one of them <laughs> is my ability to quickly calculate not not past like, say, 50. That's not great. But I understand the concept of Roman numerals. Um, And so by the time Louis the 16th, no, 14th, because the I is in front of the V. So it goes X, I, V. Yes. Yes. 14th. 14th came to power. Um. The, we should do a whole episode on like the the cultural impacts of math. Oh my gosh! It did have a I big just impact. Don't, I don't have room in my brain right now. Okay, fair enough. It's it's full of baby thoughts. Full of baby thoughts. Okay, um, these the the necktie had moved from the practical purpose of something that would protect the soldiers' shirts and buttons and necks and things like that. I bet that that was something, right? With the glint off your buttons, I bet it also was like sure. practical there of like doesn't catch light and give away your position. Uh, they It moved into French fashion. Well, yes. Of course. Of course. Um, some would even say that cravat, the French word for tie, is a corruption of the word croat from their Croatian friends. Okay. All right. Some would argue. So, but the the cravat was really the fashion item that birthed all the rest of now, the neckties. A cravat is like a like scarf-like thing, right? That you tie it so that it's kind of puffy in front, right? Right. Yes. Um, so in 1660, right after Charles II reclaimed the throne for the restoration um, he made it very popular to have these large cravats. And they would, um, like, tuck into your shirt, right? That's the difference between an ascot and a cravat, right? A cravat kind of tucks into your jacket or whatever, and an ascot is, like, t- more tied around, like... that. That's what I'm picturing with Fred well, from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. The placement isn't necessarily what distinguishes them. What distinguishes them is the, the knot and the tying. Okay. Um, so... They came with tassel strings. You could get a roughed collar with it. You could use embroidery and lace and all this other kind of stuff with the cravat. Um, And it moved all the way into the 18th century where wearing a cloth around one's neck uh, wasn't tied to social status anymore. It was just you put on pants, you put on a necktie. (laughs) That's the thing that everybody wears. Okay. So I looked it up real quick because I'm trying to see. And I, I, from what I can tell from visual differences, like it seems like a cravat is closer to a tie 
mm-hmm. right? Where you would have the knot there, but then instead of it going down in a straight or even like flared strip of fabric, it's more of just like... Like a bow. It's just fabric, right? It's just kind of a loose, billowy look. Where a cravat... No, where an ascot. Where an ascot seems to be more of a scarf-looking thing, like it's actually tied... Right, more of a knot. It looks closer to a tie. Yes, and often is accompanied by a pin. Yes. But it seems, as I'm looking over the images here on Google, fairly interchangeable terminology. Right? Like, you could definitely tell the difference between a cravat and ascot versus a necktie. Right. Right? But it seems like cravat and ascot are like, eh, say whatever. When I think of the, the definitive, like, picture Uh i think of um mr darcy wears a cravat because it's kind of like a bow almost that's poofy Uh he was a dandy and um freddie einsford hill from uh my fair lady wears an ascot so it's not flouncy it's the uh the kind of like it almost looks like just like a one knot Right. And then a pin. Right. And it also looks like it could be worn either tucked in yes. to the jacket or, or like on top of or a shirt. Or the vest. Yes. It could be t- tucked into the vest. Um, okay. And so, you know what? It's a good look. People <laughs> should bring that back. It's a Paul good F. look. Paul F. Tompkins wears them a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm going to start bringing this back. Or like be a part of bringing it back, I should say. Okay. Okay. We'll see about this. Okay. Anywho. So let's talk about terminology still in a history context. Okay. So when did the cravat or collar turn into a tie? We think the late 1700s uh, because this is when um, the term macaronis was coined. <gasps> oh, stuck a feather in his grandma and called him macaroni, which means yes. like he thought he was a fancy... Fancy fellow, because he stuck a feather in his cap. He thought he was a macaroni, but it, in fact, he just looked silly. Because originally, Yankee Doodle was a song to make fun of Americans. Exactly. It um, also kind of looks. Side note, uh, like maybe a cravat is under the collar, and an ascot is worn inside the shirt. Maybe vice versa. Maybe both. <laughs> but it's something like that. Like Again, I'm not quite certain it has to do with placement and more has to do with the knot. Okay. Okay. Um, so speaking of knots, here's the thing. Uh, one of the illustrations of these complex knots that were available at the time uh, was called the Necclothitania. <gasps> Yay! That's great! <laughs> In 1818. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was basically the YouTube tutorial of the day. Yes. Where... Which is how I learned to tie a bow tie. <laughs> Hint, if you're looking for a good YouTube tutorial to uh, tie a bow tie, look for ones where they're tying it in a mirror instead of facing the camera. Because if they're tying it in a mirror and filming the mirror, it's easier, at least it was easier for me, to mimic their hand motions. Uh, because it wasn't backward. Right. So you didn't have to reverse it. It was already reversed. Exactly. The um, and then the next one uh, in 1828 was called The Art of Tying the Cravat 
um, which had 16 different lessons and 32 different tying styles. Oh, boy. So we're hey, good news. You don't need that. You don't need all of those. We'll talk about that. All right. So where did the tie start? What? Uh, are you asking me? Italy. No. America. Okay. Wait a second. France. Germany. <laughs> New Zealand. Stop it. I. That's not what I was exactly asking. Oh, okay. I said where and I meant when. And... Uh, so during the Industrial Revolution, between the 18th and 19th century, this is when the tie that we know it emerged. Because with machines, you could make it standard. Is that the idea of like you could reproduce the fabric over and over and over again into a tie? I mean, it was probably definitely easier to do in the Industrial Revolution. <sighs> I almost said Industrial Resolution, and that's nothing. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, n- not just that, but I mean... People didn't have time. They were working constantly in these factories that never seemed to close. And so, like, taking hours to tie your tie wasn't something that anybody wanted to do. And probably we're also looking at, this is, once again, just guessing from stuff we've talked about in the past, is now that there's an emerging middle class, mm-hmm. people wanted to wear neckwear but probably couldn't afford, like, I'm going to get, a, you know, my tailor to make a beautiful silken cravat. Exactly. So I'm just going to go buy a tie off the rack. So this is when the first tie knot that we know called the four in hand knot uh, was started to be We'll used. explain what these are, I promise. Yes. It's basically a slip knot. If you know anything like about the band. knots. No. No. I, we'll, like I said, we'll go into it. Let's stick with the history and then we'll explain different styles. Okay. Um, these were often used for uh, for school ties, for Boy Scout ties, for, you know, things that weren't necessarily about status, but more about, like, we're all going to dress the same. Right. Uniform. Uniform. Exactly. Um, so there, as usual, there has to be one one sort of thing that happens where like oh but we're special yes (laughs) so that's when the ascot really comes in in the 1880s um king edward the seventh i got it nice uh wore an ascot to the royal horse races which is actually why it is named after the royal ascot oh okay race okay cool um, but still, I mean, if we're thinking about that kind of like slipknot look and the four in hand and then the uh, the ascot, these aren't quite the ties that we recognize today with like the wider arrow end and the slimmer end. Right. Um, that took to the 1920s. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Um, Jesse Langsdorff. A New York tie maker cut the fabric at a 45 degree angle around the bottom edge. This meant now that the tie could drape evenly when tied in a standard knot without having to twist it. Thus, the modern necktie was born. And it is still cut and designed the same way that Langsdorff cut it all those years ago today. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What was that? Did you melt? No, I'm just... Oh, you're doing a 1920s I'm voice. doing more 1920s business. Okay. okay. 
now we have the shape here comes the 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 decades the patterns of the decades okay. we've got art deco in the 30s those went on ties we've got the skinny tie from the 50s cut to complement the slimmer style suits then we've got the 60s and 70s where ties started getting wider because the collars started getting wider the shoulders of the suits started getting everything wider. started getting bigger everything started getting bigger then you have the bolo tie uh, which may, we'll have to talk about this again, may have originated from uh, wearing a hat behind your back. So the oh, strings of the hat. Okay. Um, but well, that's not today. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't do it. All right. And then today we get back into standardized tie pretty much. Um, being three and a fourth inches to three and a half inches wide, but they do come in any color, shape, pattern. Uh, you know, you can get knit ties. You can do uh, like taffeta ties. You, I mean, yeah. the sky is the Twist limit. Ties. No, uh, and it really has become in the standardized quote menswear uniform the way to show your personality right there are some people who wear you know cartoon ties and flag ties and i i, I don't patterned, know pattern ties various checkered things, school, ties school emblems perhaps of course um T. Malloy, in his book Dress for Success, says, Show me a man's ties and I'll tell you who he is or who he's trying to be. Okay. That seems, I don't know, a little dismissive, but okay. Now listen, I know. I know why everyone tuned in here. And it's to talk about when to tie, what tie, with what, and all of that. And we're going to talk about that. But first, a thank you note for our sponsors. week we would like to send a thank you note to quip hey quip thanks for being you thanks for everything because here's the thing i love quip and i know i say that every time and i know i say here's the thing but this thing i really mean and i'm really presenting it to you on a silver platter because for the longest time i did not take care of my teeth it was just not a thing i thought about it always seemed like something that was a waste of time and i only ever did it you know, when my teeth felt dirty or whatever. And that is not a good way to go. And the thing is, is I had forever dentists telling me, like, you need to use an electric toothbrush. But I never wanted to because they always felt too strong. They made my gums hurt. And they were always too bulky. But Quip is designed to be very, uh, very slim, not bulky at all. And it has a nice gentle vibration that still gets the job done, but isn't going to make you feel like you're beating up your mouth. And they have a built-in timer that guides gentle brushing for the dentist recommended two minutes, which, let's be honest, none of us are doing without a reminder. And it pulses every 30 seconds so you know when to move to different areas of your mouth. And if you sign up with Quip, they'll automatically deliver brush heads to you every three months for clean, new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design is simple, uh, and it comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount, which... You think like, well, okay, that's nice, but we don't need that. You will use the heck out of it, I promise. And it starts at just $25, and you'll get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash schmanners. 
This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com slash schmanners to get your first refill free. Go right now to getquipgetquip.com slash schmanners. Hi, I'm Renee Colvert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm -hmm. The reviews are in. Mm Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. Okay, we got some questions. Not surprising, a lot of them were very procedural. Right. Okay, wait a second. Before okay, we go wait. into questions, uh-huh. here are some basics. The first one being, when do I wear what type of tie? Okay, this is a question from a lot of people. Okay, here are the bullet point points. It's typically accepted that the ascot and the bow tie are for formal morning or day occasions. Yes. Specifically the bow tie for like a day wedding. Right. Business formal... And black tie occasions usually call for a solid tie, which can be gray, black, blue, depending upon your suit, right? Um, but if you work in maybe the arts Well, or, side note there, if you're doing a tuxedo, bow tie is the more appropriate, uh, especially if you have a like uh, pleated or ridged shirt. Yeah, pleated is the word I'm looking for. Bow tie. With that is usually where to go. You can probably get away with a solid black necktie, but right, tuxi- depend depending upon the stated dress and whether it's day or an evening. Yes. Okay, and then um, if you work in the arts or another laid back environment, it's okay to do more of a skinny tie or a patterned tie. Yes. Right. Then you want to consider seasons with the weight of the tie. Heavier fabrics for warmer, uh, sorry, cooler weather, lighter fabrics for cooler, for warmer, warmer weather. Yes. All right. But then, like, if you're going out for dinner, if you're going to a holiday party, if you're doing, I mean, basically anything, right? Anything other than something like formal, like work or a gala. Wear what you want, yes. right? Showcase your personality. Um, you know, just know your audience. If you're going to a funeral, maybe not a novelty tie. Yes. I, yeah. And you know what? I'm not even going to say maybe. I'm not, well, I say that. Maybe if the deceased would have found it funny. Okay, cool. If it's a tribute to them, it's fine. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, one more thing. Okay. One more thing. Okay. <clears throat> so, placement for ties in general, and I'm talking the long ties. Okay, like where it lands? Yes. Okay, because uh, this was Kit's question. Okay. What is the general accepted length for a tie? It should, the tip of the tie should rest right at your belt, not below, not above. Uh-huh. Um, a tie should never be visible under your collar. If you can see the tie under the, oh, yes. under uh-huh. your collar, the tie is too wide. Select a skinnier tie for your smaller collar um 
And if you want to wear a tie bar or a tie pin. This was also a question we got a lot. It generally goes between the third and fourth buttons on your shirt. My general rule uh, for that is that if you are going to button your jacket, it should be just peeking above that, right? So you can see it with the jacket closed, but it's not like super high up, right? You're just seeing it right at the V of the jacket. Um, I like the one that you have that's like a chain across the yes. tie. So here's the purpose of a tie clip um, is to not just keep the tie together, right? So that the, the back side, you know, the short end, the thin end doesn't come flying out, but also to pin it to the shirt, right? So it stays in position. Mm-hmm. So what I have is one that clips the tie and then has a chain that goes around and hooks on the button in the back. So that way the tie has some movement, but it doesn't keep it right there. Um also, when you're talking about uh, length, if you're wearing a vest over it, the tie should not hang out below the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only exception to seeing it with the collar is if it is just the points of the collar and not a continuous collar around the back. That's, oh, okay. You see that a lot with like cravats and, and askets that get that makes sense. Or bow ties. Um, now, here's the thing. Here's the biggest question we got. Uh, and I'll sum it up here from this question from Stefan. Is there a social danger in your choice of knot in a necktie? Might a foreign hand count as underdressing and a full Windsor count as overdressing? Okay, here's the thing about it. As far as I know, and I can find nothing to tell me I'm wrong, formality isn't the overriding factor to decide what the knot of the tie is. What does determine that is two factors, and that is the shape of the collar... And like your personal kind of body type, what, how the, for example, Teresa said uh, the foreign hand skinny tie became really popular with slim fitted suits, right? Right. Right. Because it's a smaller knot, it's a thinner tie, right? And it's a slimmer suit. It all goes together. Right. So if you look at a collar, right, and you look at the angles of the points at the collar, right, that's is what's going to help you determine what knot you want to do so if they are very straight or like create a narrow opening a foreign hand knot a a skinnier knot is appropriate there if you have a very flared collar and you do a skinny knot it's not going to look right right it's going to look too skinny Mm -hmm. same if you have a wide tie um so i guess what i'm saying is there's three factors. <laughs> but if you have a very wide tie, a very skinny knot is not going to work. Right. It's going to look all bunched up and funny. Right. So what you're really judging on is the shape of the collar, the shape of the tie, and how you are wearing your suit fitted. Right. All right. of those things help you match together. The collar matches to the tie, matches to the jacket. Is basically how you think about it. So if you're thinking about it in terms of what not to wear... K N O T, not to <laughs> um, You Good have one. the four in hand. Now, see, that one was funny. Thank you. It was unintentional. It was. <laughs> it was very intelligent. Well, it was unintentional. Um, <laughs> so the the four in hand is the skinniest, and there's really only three necktie knots you need to know. There's a bunch of other ones if you want to get fancy with it and weird. But there's not the, weird. Decorative. The, sure. Flair. Um, I meant weird in a fun way. Let's oh, okay. get weird with it, right? You have the foreign hand, which is the skinnier, square or not. 
you have the half Windsor, which is slightly more flared, more triangular. And then you have the full or double Windsor. They're the same thing, um, which is very triangular and very flared, right? Yes. Um, now, in actually tying them, I can't describe it in an audio medium. That's next to impossible. But... Um, if I ha- would describe okay, the yes, four in hand is like a slipknot. Sure. The half Windsor is an extra loop in that slipknot. Yeah, and then so the as full you're Windsor, it, it loops over one side yeah. of the top. Right. And then the full Windsor is plus another loop on the other side. Yes. And if you're like me and you know that like halfway through the evening or maybe even sooner, you're going to undo that top button of your shirt, you want to go with at least a half Windsor. If not a double, because that will still create enough room that as your collar spreads out, there's not going to be huge gaps on either side of it between the tie and the collar. So you can be a little more, uh, what do I want to say, sneaky about undoing your yes, co- very the top much of your, so. your shirt. I, I tend to like a style for a more casual uh, engagement where I will have like two buttons undone and the tie looser, um, at which point a, a full winter is the way to go. Or maybe a half, depending, but that's up to you. Um, so that's the thing, is it's not like, oh, you wore a foreign hand to this event. You're so underdressed. It's more like you wore a foreign hand with a wide collar and a big, thick tie, and it looks kind of weird. Right. Right. Okay. So more questions. Um, let's see. This is from Kyle. Is a tie accessory, tie pin clip, overdressing in certain situations? I don't think so. It really depends on the style of the clip. Right. Right. I mean, I wouldn't go if you're just going to a regular day at the office. Uh, I wouldn't go with anything that was like sequined or diamond encrusted. Yeah. But a plain silver bar, or even like like um like the pattern on your glasses. They make a uh, tortoise shell. Yeah. Tie clips. That's very casual looking. I have a bunch that are shaped like swords and anchors and flowers and that kind of thing that I find fun um i think accessories in general lapel pins tie clips uh that kind of thing mm, love them uh let's see uh oh, this is from aaron is it okay to wear a tie with a button type color now you could mean two things here aaron you can mean button down collar at which yes mm-hmm. um because that is why the button downs are there right it's to button around uh the fabric of the necktie now, if you mean a button type collar, like uh, it has no, it has no uh, collar, right? That it's just the button, right? And a kind of like raised. I always think about that's like the ones that I saw. I only saw those when I was in like show choir. Right. Um, or if you mean like a, a wingtip where I was talking about where it's just the tips of the collar. I keep grabbing the skin of my neck because I'm, de- <laughs> I'm wearing a collared shirt. Anyways, um. In that circumstance, I would avoid wearing a necktie, but uh, with a band that has no tips, that's where like an ascot or a cravat uh, would work, right? Because Or a, even a really fancy button cover. Those yes, are nice too. right. Uh, now with a wing tip, uh, where it's, you know, just the tips of it, that's a perfect time for a bow tie yeah. um, or an ascot or a cravat. Um, but if you're wearing the top button buttoned, that's where you're Stop going. Stop pulling on your neck. I know. Skin. I don't know why I'm doing that. Like I said, I'm wearing a collared shirt. <laughs> if you're wearing the top button buttoned, that's where you want uh, the ascot, which ties outside, or the bow tie. If you're wearing it open, 
that's a perfect time for a cravat because it's worn inside the shirt. Bada bing, bada boom. How do I know things? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, this is from Amanda. For non-formal ties, bow tie situation, what should your tie match? Is it okay to mix and match color patterns with pocket squares and shirts? Uh, we also got that question from Buchanan. I'm a trans guy starting my transition, and I would like to know the rules with patterns and colors. For example, do pattern button downs get a tie or just solid colored shirts? Listen, do what you want to do. Yes. It's more about the occasion than it is about the matching or... Uh, I mean, even like uh, pattern mixing is yes. a really great way to do these kind of things. Um, like My I, advice, it's about get a the second occasion. opinion. That's what I do with Teresa. If I'm like, I think this <laughs> looks good, I will go to Teresa and I'm like, am I right that this looks good together, right? Yeah. And wear it with confidence. Yeah. Um, I would stay away from actual clashing on purpose yes. uh, unless... Unless you're really making a fashion statement, because what will happen is if you if you really try and clash, you're just you're drawing attention to yourself. Yes. If that's what you want, then go ahead and clash. But I would say if you're starting out right and you're just like basics of matching things, um, you solid colored ties with pattern shirts, pattern ties with colored shirts or like solid colored shirts are a good way to go. Uh, you want them to be complimentary. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, if you're wearing a red shirt, I wouldn't wear a red tie. But if the tie has some red in it, right, that's a good look. Um, and and vice versa. You know, if you're wearing a pattern shirt that has a little bit of purple in it and you want to wear a solid purple tie, great. Um, now, in general, you don't want to match your tie to your pocket square, right? Now, I've seen it work. I've seen it be a good look. But in general... I would say you want it to be complimentary, like a solid purple tie with a pocket square with some purple in it. The only time I've ever seen it work is if it's like basically prom. That's yeah, the only I mean, time. it's a it's a set that you would buy together right. for a formal event like a prom or a wedding or something. Right. Um, but yeah, I think as far as matching it goes, complimentary is fine. Yeah. That's what you're and looking you for. And you can't go that... wrong with a... Um, a white pocket square with anything else that yes. you're wearing. Um, and so if you're looking to build up your kind of tie arsenal, here's my recommendations. A uh, black tie, like a black solid tie, and a silver tie. Um, and then a black tie with a black pattern on top of it. A silver tie with some kind of light patterning, right? Um, texture is really good for that. And then you can start going with patterns right and patterns like uh black white and silver patterns red and black like those kinds of things where it's going to match with a lot of things and i would stay i would if you're just starting it stay with geometric patterns yes instead of prints and small patterns are usually better uh <laughs> to match than like larger patterns um, if you're just looking for your basics ar arsenal, I also recommend thinking in terms of seasons, right? Like having some spring colors in your arsenal is a good way to go. And having some autumnal colors, having some browns and oranges and that kind of thing is a good way to go. Um, yeah. So hopefully that's a good starter, right? That's. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it. This is, I think, going to be a very helpful one for a lot of people. People, jaws on the floor. Just <laughs> what? That's what a tie is? Um, let's see. You can go on whatever your podcatcher is and rate and review our show. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. If you have ideas uh, for episodes, which this one was, and I'm going to find it here in a second, then you can send them to SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Uh, what else, Teresa? Well, we always thank Brent Ventrafloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Keila sorry uh kayla m wassell for our twitter thumbnail art which is where we get a lot of these listeners suggest uh submitted questions um and then also thank you to bruja betty pinup photography for the cover picture of the fan run facebook group schmanners fanners please go join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other schmanners fans also, thank you to Alex, our um, our indomitable research assistant. We could not do this without her. Thank you very much. And uh, she is made possible by your donations to the Max Fund Network. Um, and that, you know, always helps us grow our show. So pay attention in the coming months for the Max Fund Drive. Uh, this episode was suggested by Eli. Thank you so much, Eli. Um, and that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.